We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Fantasy Podcast, your place for all things Devi, college DFS, and college football betting advice. I am your host, Stefan Laco, and today I am joined by the one, the only Travis May. Travis is a senior writer for Rotoviz, the host of the Campus to Canton podcast. You can find him on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. Travis, thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? Always great to join you, Stefan. You and uh, Wispay, who uh, you and I probably both dearly miss at this point. He's off being a dad or something right now, but <laughs> it's yeah. always a joy just uh, talking football with you guys. I was t- I was texting him earlier today. I was like, dude, I miss I miss talking football with you, man. So we're actually going to uh, connect later this week, a little like a happy hour or something like that, and just talk, hang out, do the good stuff. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's doing well. So, but he he is sorely missed. But it does mean that uh, you know we're a little bit lighter on Ohio State conversation. So you know we'll keep that going tonight, though. <laughs> I'm excited to have you on. I wanted to put together a show just kind of talking about one of my new favorite league types, and that's this campus to Canton, um, not podcast, uh, league, where you basically run a dynasty startup, you know, when you get going, but then alongside of it, you have a huge Debbie league where you have just a ton of college players and you're getting points for them. It's basically two simultaneous leagues. But anyway, we're going to get into all the details. That's what this whole podcast is focused on. And I could not think of a better person to talk to about all this than you. It's kind of like the rookie and the veteran, you know, like me and you getting together. Uh, And I think it could be really fun. You've got uh, a lot of experience with these leagues and you, you talk about them a lot. 
uh, you have a podcast uh, kind of with a similar title. So like you're the perfect guy. And I thought like me is this, this is my first season joining these. This is a great opportunity for us to have a conversation between two people who won. Uh, I'm looking at it with fresh eyes and lots of questions and you've got a lot of experience, a lot of answers. So I thought we could have some fun doing this. Um, I do have, of course, you know, Debbie experience, but this is a whole new kind of crazy. So uh, I'm excited to jump into that. But before we do, did you see uh, Florida State's spring game? Because uh, I was watching some highlights and Mackenzie Milton looked good. Yeah, man. It's just incredible that he's even walking at this point. He, he destroyed everything in his leg. And that was two and a half, almost three years ago in the 2018 season, I believe. And it's just been forever since he's even played ball. But for him to get back on the field and not only get out there, but but look great is a lot of fun, and that's good for Florida State. That's good for ACC. That's good for college football. Yeah, uh, that's good for Mike Norvell's offensive install. He needed a, a quarterback that could do anything. Uh, so I think Chubba Purdy could get there, but uh, Mackenzie Milton is, is kind of an instant band aid fix, uh, and, and is going to do good things for them. Yeah, I'm excited. It was just he's one of those guys. Like I'm not a Florida State fan at all, uh, but watching him just even just in a spring game, just absolutely like the uh, put the football like in some really tight windows through a beautiful touchdown pass Had another through a 45 yard pass on a rope right into wide receivers hands. Like it was just, it was fun. Felt great for the guy. Um, but you know what tonight, today, uh, no, tonight it's, it's getting late and we're having some fun here, but we're going to get into, I want to spend most of our time just diving right into this, this style league with some just basic overall questions. But before I do that, it was funny. I was talking to a buddy of mine and he's a, he actually was a co-host on the road of his fantasy baseball podcast. So he is familiar with uh road of his and uh, Jake Beeman is his name. A lot of you guys probably remember him from that podcast. Uh, we were talking, he's like trying to get into some really like deep baseball dynasty leagues. And he's like, man, I'm in this awesome league. Mm-hmm. It's me and a couple of our friends. He's like, but man, like, I love being in leagues with my friends, but it's just hard to get them to want to really be as committed and nerdy. And I was like, bro, listen here. <laughs> you can make your fr- like you can't make your friends do a dynasty league. It just doesn't happen. But you can get a dynasty league and then those guys can become your friends. Like that's the way you got to do it. Like finding 11 buddies yeah. who are as degenerate as you uh, is really tough. But if you find just 11 other degenerates, it's easy to become friends with them. So that was my advice to him. And I, I mean, I've, I've loved getting deep into like Debbie and the C2C stuff because there's some awesome dudes out there that, um, and ladies as well, of course, uh, that really get deep into the stuff. And it's an awful lot of fun. As far as the C2C leagues, where does it rank on like your favorite to least favorite type of league? Like what's your favorite league style to play in? Yeah. College to Kenton leagues are, are the best because you have, uh, full college fantasy league, you have full NFL and you get this pipeline of players that you get to automatically have them on the, on the college and populate over to your NFL side. And so you can have these players on your team from the time they're freshmen in college until they retire. And uh, so that's what I love. I mean, like my, my podcast, the college to Canton podcast is, I mean, it's all about that journey from the beginning to end and like the, them even going into the hall of fame discussions and things like that. So it's just, that whole process, I think, is is interest well intriguing to many people, uh, but I think it's just funny because most people don't even know that this nerdy little world even exists. But I think if more people understood that it did, uh, they would actually be interested and try it out. Because most people, like when I tell them about this, they're like, "One, 
they're like, how does this even, where do you do this? Like, what is this right. thing you're talking about? <laughs> but I'm like, right. oh yeah, this has been going on for a while. We're, we're super weird <laughs> and it's okay. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. No, it, that's great. Uh, it's, it's becoming my favorite too. I always liked dynasty leagues. They were always great. And then I was introduced to Debbie leagues and I thought that was great. And then now all of a sudden these are just in- insane. And I know like my, my four, my, like my, uh, my four kind of home leagues with my buddies that are just like, you know, your standard, uh, not even super flex, you know, just regular, they're going to feel so weird now. Cause it's like redraft. <laughs> it's like, what is redraft? Yeah. This is insane. <laughs> but, uh, th- there's a place yeah, for all of it. Of course. Players for one year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is fun too. Yeah. You get to switch up your lineups and, uh, and it's good stuff, but, uh, let's, let's just start with just giving a quick rundown. If you wouldn't mind, just what is. Um, what is a college to Canton league? You kind of explained it a little bit already, uh, but kind of go into some of the, yeah, some of the nitty gritty about it. I'd love to hear just even some of your favorite settings, uh, but just the basic, you know, the 10,000 foot view of, uh, of, of what these leagues are like. Sure. I mean, most of the time you're drafting them deep, deep enough that uh, waivers aren't necessarily going to be a thing very much really on either, either side college, or NFL. So like we're talking, I think all my leagues are at least 45 players deep on the NFL side and college side. So you're, you're rostering a whole lot of players, uh, but it gives you a lot of people to get excited about throughout the year uh, and seeing them develop on the college side. So it's got, you know, you basically have an entire NFL kind of quote unquote normal fantasy league going on one side. And then you've got your college fantasy football league on the other and uh, generally, there are two completely separate uh, championships. Uh, and generally, you know, depending on how, how you have it structured, you can have kind of like a, a rolling prize for, a, you know, that, that keeps on getting larger e- each year until somebody finally wins both at the same time. Oh, and wow. they, you know, obviously get a larger reward for actually pulling off uh, the, the W on both sides. Because, I mean, you, with this format, I mean... You, you see people like basically just giving up completely on one or the other, especially like, you know, they're, they're getting older on the NFL side. They're like, crap, I'm just going to punt and just trade for everything in college and just see if I can build up, build up some prospects and go and just kind of full rebuild mode. Uh, and so it, it's been funny doing this for, I guess I'm in year four in a couple leagues and uh, man, uh, teams, you know, t- they decide to kind of blow things up from time to time and, but you can rebuild, but just by trading players from like one side or the other, if, if certain owner, you know, certain managers in your league actually overvalue the college side versus the NFL side. And so there's, you'll never have two leagues that are anywhere near the same, just because sure. of the people involved, the people that are playing. And so I, I like to, to kind of keep it simple though, in terms of like the league size, I don't think you need to make it something crazy. Um, you know, 12 to 16 leagues is, all you're really going to ever want to do anything over 16 is going to get kind of crazy <laughs> unless you're doing two copies. So you'll have like 12 to 16 um, fantasy managers and each yes. of those managers has both an NFL and a college squad. Yep, exactly. And your Great. college players, as soon as they graduate or declare early for the draft, they automatically get on your NFL squad. And so, uh, yeah, generally have to make some room, but uh, most, most of the time, you don't have like 50 players on the NFL side that you're like super attached to anyway. Right. Right. So a couple so. questions. Um, and these are just, you know, I, I I'm hoping that 
uh, a lot of people listening to this, you know, have either heard of it or by hearing about this, get excited to play. So what are some of the platforms? Like when I started, I, I had no idea that you could do college fantasy. So what are the yeah. platforms that you use in most of your leagues, maybe uh, maybe they're not all the same one, but what are the, some some of the leagues that uh, that you play on? Are they on like you doing them on MFL, ESPN? What do you usually host? Yeah, I mean, I've I've always loved uh, my fantasy league. That's been the go to for all things customization. I mean, you can create custom players even in there, and it's just easy to kind of maneuver around with all the weird rules that you want. Uh, so on the NFL side, especially. So I, the NFL side, I, I pretty much always use uh, my fantasy league. I, I use Sleeper in a couple of places, but not for college Canton leagues. Uh, but I think Sleeper is actually going to try to create uh, an actual Devi format uh, within their app here in the next year or two. Oh, They're nice. Already in works, apparently. Uh, so Sleeper is going to try to create something where you can do Devi, where you don't have to create custom players or any, anything like that, or custom import players or anything like that. Um, they just had the college players integrated into it. And I believe they're working on college, the Canton formats as well, although that'll be probably super rare. Uh, but if, if they did kind of make it all in one place, it'd be easier because as it stands and what most people have been doing with this is they'll play college side, uh, somewhere like, uh, fan tracks, which has been great. It's done the trick. Uh, some people don't like uh, a few of the um uh quirks like uh, you know when when players actually get added into the database like you we'd love to have the the full incoming freshman uh database all set by like declaration day in february uh for for all these recruits that are incoming but that's just not realistic to have sure you know yeah 25 plus players in the system already um so sometimes you kind of have to wait on the college side draft for fan tracks to kind of get all their players updated rosters updated and things like that so it, the timing is interesting as it currently stands because college the canton leagues have only existed for maybe i don't know maybe five years realistically so um there's just not a, a singular place to play just yet but i know sleeper has that in the works my fantasy league for customization combined with fan tracks for college side yeah has been the way to go and and i i don't mind doing that but as a commissioner that can be a lot to kind of juggle and transition over yeah but, it's a lot of manual entry too like when you're switching from like like you said when someone moves from college to the nfl you're having to manually add players to rosters and that, that can yeah. be a lot of work for sure but fantrox does a good job with all the live scoring updates and everything uh with the exception of like you know like games where they're like a G5 school uh, is playing an FCS school that's not even on TV anywhere. And they don't even have like live updates until like the game's already over. There'll yeah, be some exceptions. Yeah. So it'll feel different if you're used to playing just like, you know, NFL ESPN fantasy that everything's updated all the time, no matter what, as you go. But yeah. that's just the nature of, of college. Uh, it's just, there's 130 teams. So any, any given weekend, <laughs> You know, you're going to have a heck of a lot more games than the NFL. Right. So it's just a lot more to keep track of. Yeah. So a couple questions al along those lines real quick that are just popping up in my mind. In the leagues that you you play in or the leagues that you recommend, are all college players eligible to be uh, rostered? Or do you try to keep it to just Power 5 schools or Power 5 and Group of 5? Do you allow FCS players? Like a guy like you know, Trey Lance, who is, is the hotness coming into the yeah. NFL draft right now, was he eligible for 
you know, because he was playing at North Dakota State. Was he eligible for your college team? Or is he going to be one of these like guys that, you know, one of these rare unicorns that like actually has a ton of value in your rookie draft once you're already, you know, kind of going, um, you know, after you're like not in your startup league, but like your following year or whatever. Yeah. All my leagues draw the line at division one. Cause I mean, okay. they, you have to draw the line at, at some point it's <laughs> 130 is already enough, this, yeah. but like 130 teams is a, is a lot of players. There's like, you know, 85 scholarships, 130 teams. Like that's a lot of freaking players. And then if you add FCS, community college, like what? <laughs> yeah. NIAA, whatever. Like it's just, it's just, you got to just stop it. And it's easier to kind of draw the line. And because uh, I mean, frankly, there's almost 800 post high school football programs in the, uh, in the U.S. So I don't want to mess with that. No, that's good. Okay. couple of other, other settings questions. Do you usually do super flex, tight end premium? You just doing kind of more standard? Do you like PPR? What are, is there an industry standard for these C to C leagues? Um, if not, what's your preference? I think because of the, the people that are playing in these leagues are all already like the super weirdos that like all the premiums <laughs> in, included. Um, like, I don't think I've seen anything that hasn't been super flex yeah. uh, where you can, you know, start at least one if not two quarterbacks um college side even i think one of the leagues is just straight two qb you have to at least start two That's quarterbacks yeah um, yeah and so it's like because because i mean in the nfl you only have 32 quarterbacks and you know 16 or 17 of them aren't terrible in college because defenses are absolute hot garbage they're <laughs> really like 80 plus quarterbacks that are worth starting in any given week so you you absolutely have to start at least two quarterbacks in, in this format and really tight end premium uh, is really helpful on the college side because college tight ends are just, just trash for the most part. Like and schematically, most teams don't even use them at all. So they're, they're not deep. So that, that creates a, a super interesting element um, when you have a true difference making tight end. Now I never, I've never, I do not advocate for two, two tight end, uh, requirements for college side that's a that's obnoxious just because there's if you know like the greatest tight ends every single year like capping it like 700 yards you know it's like yeah it's not it's not i don't like doing that but you know ppr super flex um I, I see super deep starting rosters like you know you might have to actually start 15 uh, or 16 players uh, in some leagues uh, i think most of the time it's less than that but i think one of my leagues i think we have to start 15 or 16 i think so yeah. you're, you're flexing you know four or five or six different guys you know every single week which is a lot but when you think about the, the player pool it's really not right right uh quick question if people are intimidated by the whole college side because it's just new you know like we've all been doing you know fantasy football now for 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 decades uh now with dfs yeah. we're, we're even like even us who are like dynasty junkies, like we're able to get our variants of players through DFS. However, the college side is much newer uh, in some states that allow regular betting. You can't actually do college DFS yet. Like it's not, not completely all over the place. So, so for people who are a little bit intimidated by the college side of a C to C league, what would be your, uh, your soothing comments to let them know that yes, they too are welcome among us degenerates. Well, the truth is, it's such an it's it's such a giant um, player pool that the truth is, no one 
no matter how much of an expert you are, can always have a grasp of every little thing. It's just not going to happen. And so even though I might be on a podcast talking about it and I might know who the wide receiver for, for, you know, a random G5 team is, uh, doesn't mean I, I, I know everything. So I think there's, there's always something to learn. And if we just kind of view it as just a fun learning experiment, and that's really what this is. Cause like even creating these new formats, we're just experimenting. We're making things up as we go along. So it's right. <laughs> it's like, and there's so many, it's such a wild frontier that um, there's nothing to be afraid of. Cause like when you're having to start 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 players, it's even more luck than the NFL side, frankly, sure. you know, it really is like, I might know a bunch of depth charts and a whole bunch of other stuff, but if you added two or three more flexes that were just kind of lucky for the school that you root for in the big 10 and I didn't. And you're going up against it's a, it's Georgia's a, defense that week with your yeah, Alabama yeah. wide receivers or whatever yeah, it might be. All the disparity in the, in the comp- yeah. competition, like every, like the, the best players might be terrible week over week because of who they're playing. So it's just, uh, it, it's a lot, but it's fun because you're constantly learning. Uh, and, and there's constantly somebody to root for uh, that you may have not even heard of until the week before you, you drafted them. But it's just, it's fun. And, and for me, like the, just from a social aspect. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I can talk to anybody and everybody from, from every major metropolitan area in the country now because of college sports. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I know all their favorite players. You touched on a couple of things that we're going to dive into in just a little bit regarding, you know, the types of players and, and that it's not always the elite NFL prospects that are the most rewarding on a week to week basis from your NCAA team. So so we're going to get into some of those uh, in a second. First, I want to break for just two minutes uh, to hear from our sponsors. That way we can keep the lights on, keep the show running. Uh, we'll be right back. I'm going to get into just some uh, some startup strategy questions for you. And then we'll just continue to, 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 to dig a little bit deeper. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone's experienced the pain of dropped calls and internet outages, especially working remotely this last year. So here's the question. If you're the telco company, how do you help create better experiences for customers? Simple. 
ServiceNow digital workflows can help solve network problems faster and provide real-time status updates so customers aren't left in the dark. That's probably why ServiceNow workflows have helped telco companies see an increase in customer satisfaction. But proactive customer communications only half the battle. With a single view of your back, middle, and front office operations, ServiceNow workflows also eliminate silos, keeping teams more in sync and more productive. With our scalable services, companies assure a better experience for both customers and employees on a single platform, the Now platform. So how do you help provide a better network experience for customers? With ServiceNow for telecommunications to help streamline network operations. Whatever your business is facing, let's workflow it. ServiceNow. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package, is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. All right, we are back. Travis, again, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, It is always good to hear uh, your takes on these things. And I do recommend everyone uh, check out uh, Travis's podcast as well, part of the Rotoviz family, of course. Um, I want to talk a little bit about startup strategies. Um, So in your startups, do you typically have the same approach do you try to target youth versus veterans? Do you typically try to focus more on, you know, maybe the 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 college side or the NFL side by trying to, you know, maybe make a trade where you're you're swapping your first round pick for a for a a hall of college players? Do you have a typical a typical strategy that you like to use? Um, and then attached to that, maybe um, if if there's more of a strategy behind it for winning that you see. Or so, so maybe you, you say, yes, I like to trade my, you know, my second round pick for three or four college picks, uh, not only because it's fun to have higher college draft capital, but I also think it's a long-term winning strategy. Like, I'd be curious to hear what your preference is and also how that relates to, uh, to winning. Or if it's just like, no, I, I, every league is different. Sometimes I focus on one more than the other. Yeah. So I think most of the time I'm never trying to add a whole lot more in a startup on the college side. Um, because frankly, because it, it's two you leagues, mean, you mean really like gaining, one. like you don't, you're not trying to gain additional roster, like uh draft picks. Is that what you're saying? Or higher draft picks on college side? Not okay, necessarily. Yeah. No, if anything, I want to add more NFL because they've already made it. Like, like I, I want the potential of a longer NFL, uh, career and, and arc there. Um, uh, so I'm going to, Ooh. Definitely. If I'm if I'm going to try to add anything, it's going to be an extra first four rounds kind of pick on the NFL side, so I can make sure I get one more younger, uh, proven you know asset and player there, if not two in that range. And I don't mind trading way down in the college side. I think in the league that you just joined here recently, I advocated for that. You had an opportunity to do ex- almost exactly that, and yep. and your NFL side squad is just stack Stupid. to win the yeah. championship right now. And I think that that's, that's easier to kind of guarantee yourself that kind of positioning even more so than it is on the college side, just because there, because of the extreme depth on the college side, um, you can build out your roster in a completely different way and, and not 
always rely on just the early rounds to to build out a winning roster because because of the college to Canton aspect of it, you you get people reaching for NFL potential, but not necessarily just college production on the mm-hmm. college side. So you could have a whole bunch of mid round picks and still do okay on the co- college side production wise. Um, and that sounds kind of crazy to someone who's not played that in a college league before, but there's just so many productive players on the college side that, that aren't there on the NFL side. So just from a positional scarcity and player scarcity uh, standpoint, I'm always looking to add value on the NFL side um, and potentially have a larger window there than maximum. Even if I'm draft, drafting a true freshman that I think is amazing or a sophomore that I think is amazing, I'm getting a year or two or maybe three that I can really trust them in, on the college side. Like with the NFL, like it could be four, five, six, seven, 15 if we're talking quarterbacks. You know, it's, so it's just, um, it's, I, I definitely prioritize that side more than anything. That's, uh, that's really good because when I made that trade, when we were talking about that, I was thinking of it from the perspective of, you know, a lot of times I'm going to be drafting players, hoping they make it to the NFL. This guy's already in the NFL. So I'm already, you know, one step ahead. And that's true. But you just brought up another point that I hadn't thought about that is even more profound. And that is this college player. I get, like you said, two to four years of production max, maybe four if like, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the odd player, but even Trevor Lawrence, like only three years. Yeah. But Trevor Lawrence in the NFL yeah. is going to give me, like you said, 15 years. So so in those startup drafts, mm-hmm. trading a couple picks for an NFL player isn't just getting you a locked-in NFL player. It's getting you two, three, four times the amount of years of production. So I hadn't thought about that. I love that. Continue. <laughs> I'd love to hear some more of your uh, thoughts yeah. around uh, strategy about, around youth sure. or veterans. So that, yeah, but that, that was really good. Thanks. And, yeah. Yeah, no problem. And I think it's just also because of the positional scarcity of quarterback in the NFL versus the quite quite crazy opposite on the college side, I uh, I even more so target quarterbacks early in the rounds uh, on the NFL side than I normally do. Like I, I'm fine rolling out Kirk Cousins and his his redheaded stepchild, whatever quarterback you want to, you know, put in that similar tech. You, you talking know, about Andy Dalton? <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't know if I'm comfortable with it. Yeah, the, the, yeah sure. Redheaded. Sure. I just year, had to go with it. <laughs> yes. This year, Kirk Cousins and Dalton. Like, I'm okay, like, rolling, like, a quarterback 12 and a quarterback 14 in, like, a normal dynasty league and stacking my, my flex positions. And that's worked great. I, I'm consistently competing in all my leagues doing that. I'd never spend up for a Mahomes or a, a Lamar, or, you know, the, the sexy names that everyone wants to spend, you know, sell their entire roster for. And that's not what I do in normal dynasty leagues, but with quarterbacks in these type of leagues, I like to basically set myself up for the long haul uh, with quarterbacks and try to fill in my flex positions from the college side. And I'm fine, like rolling with super productive, just dominant quarterbacks in college and, if I already have a Patrick Mahomes on the NFL side, or if I've got a Kyler Murray or somebody else that's younger on the NFL side, I don't have that pressure to like, man, I absolutely have to smash quarterback uh, on the college side when really like, I don't want to spend that crazy early pick on, on a quarterback on the college side because I can draft, you know, Ohio's starting quarterback for this year and, and probably do amazing and get him in round 15 to 20 or Western Kentucky's transfer from Houston Baptist 
Like, you know, yeah. And you didn't mean Ohio State. You meant the Ohio Bobcats. <laughs> Ohio, like from the Mac. Maction. Yes. Like I could just get some random random nobody yeah. that just is an, is an amazing star and could have got him in round 35 and I'm starting him every week as a quarterback. Like you can do that yeah. uh, on the college yeah. So quick question kind of around that when you're, when you're like putting together your, your rosters, are you viewing your NCAA squad as solely a feeder for your NFL team? Or are you looking at it as a, I want to win right now. So I'm going to have some action. I'm going to have a lot of Mac players. I'm going to have some Sunbelt players, guys that probably won't make the NFL. And if they do, they're not going to have the draft capital that we, you know, typically hope for. Um, so yeah, I'm curious which kind of approach you take, or do you use your, like your first few round picks in the, in the college side to kind of fill the, your, your more traditional Debbie leagues where you've got three to six Debbie players that, you know, you're not getting points for on a weekly basis, but they're solely feeder types. What's your approach when it comes to looking at your NCAA squad? Is it a feeder or are you competing to win that? And you don't really care if they make it to the NFL. I've tried both just to mess around with it and see what works. And, um, but mainly it's a feeder. Um, cause I, and I, I basically, because it's so deep, it's 40 plus rounds generally all the time. Like in a startup, first 20 something rounds if not 30 i'm i'm just i'm like okay how do i gain an advantage and, and target somebody that i believe will have some at least they don't even have to hit in the nfl but a year from now i can sell somebody on the fact that they might be projected for the nfl mm. uh, because having a super productive university of louisiana louisiana monroe wide receiver for three years is cool but they're absolutely worthless uh, to try to trade because there's 57 other guys that are the exact same player that you can plug <laughs> and play in the roster and you can yeah. draft them late, but they mean absolutely nothing to nobody in trades. Like they just, they're a dime a dozen dime per 100. Like it's just, I don't care. And so I've, I found like, if I'm going to, um, if I'm going to treat it like a feeder, I'm going to more often than not have, you know, half dozen to a dozen players that I might not even legitimately be interested in their NFL future, but there's an argument for the fact that they might have one. And then sure. I can move them for somebody else on the NFL side. That's kind of a filler for my roster, or I can move them for more productive college players that are quote unquote worthless in trade that I just mentioned because no one cares about their NFL future. So I can, I could trade, like I could basically target like a random high, high pedigree, Oregon running back this year because you're in my league and I, I can bait you for that next year and <laughs> yes. and sell and, and, and yeah, exactly. And move that one Oregon, you know, freshman after doing nothing this year, but he might do something the year after and get two kind of productive proven players that don't have an NFL future. If it is that I have too many of these uh, NFL projections that aren't actually producing right now. So on the front end, 20 to 30 rounds of NFL shots, um, and then I, I'm, I may find myself trading those players away to fill in the, the other spots where I missed because I'm not getting a bunch of production, treating it as a feeder. So do you find that you kind of gravitate more towards the power five schools when, when drafting in the earlier rounds? Absolutely. Because I mean, when you talk about, uh, you know, making it to the NFL and, and draft capital and that translating, um, the hit rates are just abysmal for group of five conference guys, even the really good ones. 
Right. Uh, so yeah, definitely, definitely do that. And realistically, like even because college defenses, as I mentioned on, on the first half of the show, just uh, they're, they're bad. <laughs> like there's only, I mean, if you look at like the really good by the analytics, by anyone's kind of a consensus, like what's a good defense in college, there's in any given year, there are less than 20 of those teams. Right. And so I've tried to explain this before in text and it takes way too long. So hopefully I'll be able to sum, sum this up uh, vocally a little bit better, but sure. essentially yeah. Power five conference players, especially the ones with pedigree coming into school, it's already assumed that they are a better, higher quality player than most of the group of five schools uh, just in general. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Great. And and so that's awesome. So the, all those power five schools play, you know, two, three, four, even five worthless, bad defenses from group of five conferences every single year. So they get four you know, weeks of the year on the college side to just absolutely trash worst competition uh, that they are, that they should be better than. But even in their power five, more difficult schedule, um, they're only going to play, like if it's a really tough schedule, a max of like two or three of the really challenging and tough, legitimately good defenses. Um, and so I would rather, one, take a shot on their NFL talent and mm -hmm. two, take a shot on the fact that they're still going to produce because they are a better player and they're actually beating up on bad teams in, in cupcake weeks three to five times a year already given the scheduling structure. And then when they face off against the quote-unquote equal competition in the Power Five, they're still most of the time not real NFL players that they're lining up against. Right. You right. know, so like... So the advantage of like, oh, I'm just going to go get a bunch of these group of five conference wide receivers. That's great in theory, but they're probably not much better than the defensive backs that they're playing. And three or four of the weeks they're playing a power five team that's going to crush them mm -hmm. and shut them down. So the end of end of year raw stats might look better, but if they're absolutely meaningless at the end of their college career because they're just a productive G5 player, I don't care about that player. So there's there's almost no reason or upside for college winning or NFL long term winning to pursue a bunch of or uh, way too many of the uh, like college only producing players. Yeah, I don't know that makes a ton of sense to me. That you that that was very well explained. And you know, I I know we didn't want to talk too much about specific players because we want this to be um, you know an episode people can listen to regardless of the year. But uh, I mean, Devonta Smith for Alabama just kind of showed that like. Yes. And this is with the pandemic that we just, you know, suffered yeah. through. Um, they only played SEC teams, yet he was still yeah. able to produce week in and week out at just an insane level, even though he was playing SEC defenses, which are, you know, yeah, maybe outside of the Big Ten, considered to be some of the tougher defenses in in the nation. So, you know, if I mean, also, he's an elite receiver. But to your point, it just shows that, yeah, these these power five players that have NFL hopes and dreams and aspirations um, will also be able to produce in, in and out of a uh, like week yeah. in and week out. So yeah, I know that makes a lot of sense. So when you're looking at your, well, first off, let me ask you this. Do you typically do an NFL or an NCAA draft first when you're doing a startup or is it kind of just mixed? Do you have a, and do you have a preference? Yeah. So it's, it's generally like, <laughs> it depends on the time of year, I guess. Like last year I had one, uh, where we, I believe we did NFL side first. Um, 
but I, I prefer building out the college side first, just knowing um, that helps me kind of know what to do on, on the NFL side a little bit. And uh, that was my next question. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I know where I'm going to have deficiencies based on how I, I structured, I structured my NCAA team. Uh, now, some people would argue like, well, um, the NFL side are the, the, the holes I have in my roster are more concrete. Um, yes, that's true. But I think I, I think I just have, uh, I guess more meaningful data points. I've got like 45 players that I can actually plug in and play. And I probably drafted 20 to 30 guys that, um, that I have like prioritized at different positions. And I have certain confidence ratings assigned to each one of them uh, of like projected round draft capital. And uh, so I can go, okay, I kind of, kind of whiffed completely on tight end. <laughs> and I kind of, you know, I did not build up my uh, a running back core enough so maybe I go running back heavier in the early rounds and in the mm -hmm. NFL startup side and, and really hammer out and make sure I, I definitely have this figured out for at least two to three years because I'm just not going to be able to fill it out here and here. Um, whereas on the NFL side, like the truly meaningful players on my roster, like maybe go up to 20. After that, it's a bunch of flyers. <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah. No, that's good. Because um, that was my my next question was, was exactly that. Like, does does what you draft in one league impact how you draft like whichever one you're drafting first in a startup. So in the, in both, in both startups, I'm in this, this off season, we're doing NFL first, you know? And so like, do I compose my NCAA draft around what I see my potential holes to be on my NFL squad? Or do I treat them in fact as two independent leagues and like, I want to win this one and I want to win that one. So it doesn't really matter what I have in my NFL one. I want to do what's best and always take the best available player in the NCAA. But I like your answer because, well, one, it was what I was kind of thinking about doing anyway. <laughs> um, so, so in one of the leagues, I have like three really strong quarterbacks already in the NFL. Um, and I'm not extremely deep at, at wide receiver. So, and running back is just fine. So it's like, okay, I'm planning on focusing a little bit more of my attention on my NCAA roster on wide receivers that I think could hit in the NFL. And it sounds like you're saying that, that you would kind of tend to do the same thing. Yeah. Cause I'm treating it like a feeder. Yeah. Uh, yes. I want to win on the college side, but I, I definitely want to fill in the gaps um, and, and really build into uh, where I, I see my roster having needs. Just, I mean, just like the real NFL draft would, if teams could, <laughs> Uh, grab rights to players years in advance like they would know uh, where they're going to have a hole so it's, it's almost like the way that college programs build out the recruiting classes you know right it's like Clemson they're probably not going to be able to pull like last year after DJ, DJU did his thing they weren't going to be able to pull a five-star quarterback to come in and sit on the bench behind DJU and they didn't need to either anyway because he was going to be there for a few years so if, if I know I'm set in certain spots like I don't need to quote unquote recruit <laughs> or right. draft these, these filler spots uh, where I'm already absolutely loaded. Uh, ideally you just always take the best player available. And if, if the, I, I have basically have players grouped in tiers, I'll never like reach down tiers to grab a position that I, I just want to fill up more of, but um, I, I'm definitely going to uh, lean a certain way uh, when I get to my pick uh, based on the holes that are going to need to be filled on the NFL side. Yeah, no, that makes that makes complete sense to me. 
And uh, I think that's absolutely great. I'd be curious to hear how you kind of view roster construction. Uh, well, well, before I get into that specific question, um, let me ask an NFL specific question. Uh, do you view your NFL roster in a C to C league any different than you would a traditional startup like dynasty league? Uh, I think besides just like, um, you know, the, the more prioritization on uh, quarterbacks up front, not necessarily because uh, I'm still having to do the same thing, still building up the same fantasy points. Um, but, um, but if I'm, if I am more confident in my assessment of one position or, or another, um, I, I will, I don't know. I, I, I'll be fine just going more, more BPA and, and avoiding one, one position, especially like with tight ends, I guess. Um, I find myself completely fading tight ends, um, on the NFL side and in C to C leagues because everyone in college completely ignores the tight end and drafts them in like round 18 in the startup, even the really good and good productive ones. Like a lot of times people are just not as in tune with what, with what makes a good tight end prospect very early on. I mean, like even the real draft Knicks, I, I, you see this all the time. Like how late was real draft people uh, when it came to like TJ Hawkinson? Or like how late were people to the party? Like even on Kyle Pitts, I feel like people were really late to understanding. Yeah. Like even heading into this year, like, right. no, this dude's a freaking monster. Yep. But like Devi nerds uh, were more in on it. But but I think the guys that can get some capital that aren't as obvious as Pitts, um, people just completely ignore on the college side because it's not as sexy. And like you don't win your league from the tight end position. So right, I, especially I find, in college, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I find myself like getting to round 14, 15 and just hammering four to five tight ends and uh, being the most stacked tight end team in the league and then getting two or three real quick draft capital type tight ends showing up in the NFL and either either being able to move them for a, a more proven older veteran at the position or something like that. But the, I found that there are creative ways to build out the NFL side at tight end and getting replacement level production easily mm -hmm. um, and dominating the position in college and building a pipeline at a position that people just overlook and don't care about even in tight end premium. It's just like college people don't, don't care about that on, on that side of things. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why I ask, and, and this, this is probably obvious to, to all the listeners, but I'm just going to spell it out anyway. Uh, the reason I asked specifically about building out your NFL team is because when you have a college team uh, as well, where you have 12 to 16 uh, fantasy managers who each have 50 players. Um, after your first startup year, when you get into year two, three, and beyond, your rookie drafts are pretty bare. There are not many players outside of your FC FCS guys like your Trey Lance this year um, or Carson Wentz a couple of years ago and a, a couple of guys that came out at absolutely nowhere uh, you're not going to have much room to build out your team from the the rookie draft or a waiver wire in season. Um, so, so that's why I ask you because it's important. Like you really want to set yourself up for success in your startup drafts because so much is going to depend on, on on longevity of success uh, based on the decisions that you make. So, uh, so yeah. So, so kind of speaking along that idea of you know the the rookie drafts being you know a little bit bare because everyone's already on a college team for the most part, waiver wires being pretty, um, yeah. 
pretty, pretty sparse. I imagine like a James Robinson last year for Jacksonville Jaguars. He was probably available for, for, for a while in some of these leagues, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, how do you, um, look at both, um, well, first, let's talk about roster construction. How do you construct your NCAA roster? Is there a certain amount of players that you want at each position? So, like, let's say you for for the sake of simple math, because uh, it's getting a little bit late and I'm terrible at math. Let's say you have a 50 man roster mm-hmm. for your NCAA squad. How many quarterback? And let's say you have to start two quarterbacks. How many quarterbacks do you want on your roster? How many running backs? How many wide receivers? How many tight ends? What are you hoping? to leave the draft with the the bare minimum at, at each position. Sure. If it's like 40, 45, 50, something like that on that side, um, I say 45 or 50 and in, in most leagues, uh, it seems kind of crazy the the numbers that you're going to end up with, but, um, I'm always, even at the tight end position, I'm going to have like five, uh, which just seems so crazy. But if with all the weird bye weeks and, and the scheduling and tight in, in college and trying to structure it in a way that I don't just have all super seniors so that next year I have zero tight ends and I have to draft them. You right. know, like I, I basically try to spread it out and, and make sure it's uh, diversified a little bit. So, you know, like five tight ends or so, um, nine or 10 quarterbacks. Wow. That actually. many. Yeah. I think uh, the league I just wrapped up, I think I had nine or 10 quarterbacks. And so, do you? Yeah. Do you focus on their draft year eligibility as well when you're drafting them? Or are you taking best available? Do you want to try to sprinkle in a couple freshmen with sophomore and yeah. you know upperclassmen? How, how are you approaching that? I mean, early on, especially, it's like it's best player on my board. But um, later on, like I might give a, a longer look to some freshmen to kind of give myself some build. Or I might, like I said, in the later rounds, fill it out with a bunch of just productive like weird scheme G five school quarterbacks that are going to get me 18 to 22 points. An SMU or an SMU quarterback. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. So you're somebody that is definitely not going pro, but can fill out my roster when all three of my legit NFL prospects are out or one of them's injured. And frankly, there's just, there's a lot more players and there are a lot more injuries. Yeah. Uh, So like, it's funny. It's funny. Like look at how many players, You'll have on some kind of designated IR short term, like they're out for the week. And it's just like so frustrating. So you, you never want to be out quarterbacks, especially because if you're out, if, if you invested in like four or five freshmen, three legit NFL guys and only one other G5 guy and two of your NFL guys get hurt. Good luck. You're going to go over the rest of the season right, uh, on the quarterback right. side. So it's having balance, I think, at every position. Uh, but, you know, earlier rounds, especially, it's just my big board more than anything uh, in terms of NFL draft picks. But realistically, unless you're just a pompous, like arrogant weirdo that thinks you're smarter than everyone, like once you get past like round 20, frankly, you you don't know. You just don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, you, you don't like you to differentiate between like this freshman versus you know, the wide receiver 40 in the class of 2024 and the wide receiver 41 in the class of 2020. Good luck, dude. Like, yeah, uh, nobody freaking knows. So, yeah, it's, it's just all about having a balance. So beyond that, I'm stacking the heck out of our running backs and wide receivers. So you'll notice that with 15 gone uh, between quarterbacks and tight ends that, you know, if it's 45 roster spots or 50 spots, 
like I'm, I'm having like 15 or more yeah. running backs and wide receivers, which sounds kind of bizarre, but depending on your starting requirements, it takes a lot to fill that out. And frankly, uh, those are the, the, the tradable players that uh, go for a ton in this format outside of like, uh, you know, the, the surefire no brainer Trevor Lawrence type quarterbacks that, you know, you can just know two or three years out, like, duh, that guy's going pro. But there just aren't many of those guys. Mm-hmm. And, and But those are the ones we all think about. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But like there's in, in any given class is really only like day one and day two. Typically, you only see five in between five and seven quarterbacks that get drafted. Day one, you generally don't see five guys like this year get drafted. So it's like really yeah. in all of college football, maybe there's. 10 max in your entire league that are like those kind of players at any given time. And it's probably way less than that, that are actually truly safe. So people love the truly, you know, Hey, wide receivers, like every single year, there's like 14 day, day one, two guys and running backs, like everybody wants the next running back. So they're they're freaking going hard for those guys. So I, I have no problem having 15 to 20 running backs and wide receivers uh, each, (laughs) Right. Honestly. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, we're coming to the end here. I want to ask a couple more questions. Uh, I, I, I'm just thinking about how, how volatile these college players are. Uh, we were in a clubhouse the other day, by the way, you should uh, follow Travis um, over there too. Cause he, he's in, a, he starts up a bunch of great rooms. So, so get on clubhouse, follow him. What's your, what's your, how do, how do people yeah. find you on, on there? Titan something? Uh, Titan Travis on there. there. Yeah. Titan Travis. Or you can just look for, look for my name or, I actually founded the uh, college football club on there. And I just actually, I, I don't know if you were in there, but I interviewed uh, a uh, Clemson offensive lineman. I got in there five minutes too late, dude. Oh man. Yeah. That was incredible. I, it was just great. We were talking about his position converted conversion from uh, defensive tackle to offensive line. So cool. Asking him questions about DJU and like his favorite running backs to block for. Oh, it's awesome. And, like, Oh dude, it was incredible. Yeah. I saw you post it on Twitter. So I jumped in there and you weren't even in there anymore, but the room was still open and there were other people chatting. I was like, dang it. I missed it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so follow Travis for sure on there. Uh, we, we, we try to do a, a Debbie room every, every uh, couple of weeks or college football room every couple of weeks too. So, so we have fun, but with like, we were just talking about like how a guy like Chuba Hubbard this time last year was the running back number two, you know, it was Etienne, then Hubbard and then Najee Harris. And now all of a sudden Hubbard is not being drafted in the first round of rookie drafts. Um, and who knows where he goes in the NFL. So, yeah. you, so the volatility is real. Like these dudes rise and fall fast. So if you have a, a college mm-hmm. asset that's say an underclassman that is just crushing it, are you likely to hold on to him with the hopes that he becomes the next Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, whoever it might be? Or are you going to trade him for proven NFL capital? If I can trade him for proven NFL players that are established that aren't aging veterans at uh, like the running back position or something like that. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely do that, especially, and that's why I go hard on just the guys that have any hope of having an NFL projection because those kind of players are overvalued in general because they don't always produce the most in college. And even if they do, they may not pan out to be worth much in the NFL. So I, I am definitely all for targeting NFL value with a player that's spiking and blowing up, especially if it's a G5 uh, type of player or even from like a program that doesn't 
typically even uh, sin players. And I know that sounds kind of, whoa, you don't put, you don't scout the helmet. You, you scout the players, but like at the same time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's, they're actually, uh, especially via my 22,000 player database and the recruiting history and everything like that. There's definitely some validity to like uh, the school mattering as well. So can but, I interrupt you real quick with the, with a present day example? So, so Brees Hall just figured, f- finished up his sophomore year, crushed it. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Uh, right now he's my RB one going into next year. I'm kind of assuming that his junior year will be his last season. Yeah. I think he's going. He's probably going to go early in my NCAA draft that's upcoming in a couple of weeks here, uh, because I know I for for sure will take him <laughs> if he's out there because I love Brees Hall. Yes. But as we just saw with Shuba Hubbard, this stuff can change quickly. What level NFL talent? I know I'm throwing you on the spot here. What kind of NFL talent would it take if you had Brees Hall right now? What would you be looking for in return for a prospect like him, who a is going to have college production we're pretty sure at iowa state but to your point iowa state is not like running back you you know like they're not pumping out these amazing nfl prospects so so there's a little bit of volatility there um what would you be doing with a guy like Brees hall right now given that we don't know when he's going to go to the nfl where he's going to be drafted all the things but right now he's everyone's rb one or two yeah so um even though i this isn't a normal league i always because it makes sense to me um and uh, this can kind of speak this language can kind of speak across whatever dynasty format or fantasy football format you play um i always think within like what what would this player be what am i projecting them to be in their rookie class um and and finding a player like next year i I would say that spencer rattler and sam howell in super flex leagues are going to be one and two and Mm -hmm. Brees hall is going to be three um and then there's probably a teardrop honestly after that and so uh, i would say i'm targeting a player who i believe is on par with the 1.03 in a normal dynasty rookie rookie draft that kind of player in the league so that's going to be a young player that is a top you know maybe back end of uh, round three type level ass asset in uh, a dynasty league so like Um, would you do it for like a calvin ridley type if you were you know a little wide receiver needy yep absolutely yeah, because okay. he's proven already there, got the capital, and he's hit. And he's not perfect. too old yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. No, that's great. Um, how do you how do you um target, you know, talking about trades here, how do you uh focus on a rebuild? Like if you're struggling, if you find yourself kind of in the like the worst place to be in a dynasty league, in a C2C league, is middle of the pack, where you're finishing, you know, between number five and eight or five and nine, because you're you're not getting the uh the the first overall pick when you're the 12th and able to rebuild that way uh so you can't even trade those picks for anything you're just kind of stuck in the middle so you kind of want to avoid that if you find yourself in there how do you kind of focus on a rebuild what's the best way in your opinion in a league like this that's so deep in both college and um nfl players that it's hard to you know draft players it's hard to um find players on the the waiver wire what are you going to do yeah, and first, first and foremost, I think just backing up with the waivers thing. If you are in a college that can't league, I know some leagues have waivers that are kind of more open, and you can add more players. And if that's the case in your college that can't league, frankly, that's the wrong way to play college that can't. But if if it is like that, it's really easy to rebuild because you can just constantly be adding players left and right off the waivers, and it's stupid. You can pick. You're up talking about the like college Zach side, Wilson. right? 
yeah, you can like pick up Zach Wilson by accident on waivers last year and then get a first round quarterback in the spring, which is stupid. Like that's the, that that completely ruins the idea and like it kills the depth uh, in every draft thereafter because everyone snatched up literally anything that breathes that that did anything in the college season. So your your rookie draft is a hard zero. And yeah. even your college draft in the next season is basically just freshmen, which is just yeah. disgusting. So don't do that if you're starting a college that can't league. Do not make it like open normal waivers on the college side. Limit it to maximum two acquisitions in the entire year. Because also you get people that like will abuse it knowing that it's open and just be like, I'm just going to draft 27 quarterbacks and then I'll figure out what uh, the rest of it. Right. Um, and right. it just ruins parity because people who haven't played it before uh, or, or aren't veterans and don't know how to do it just get screwed by the lack of a position. Uh, that that could be its own podcast. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, like I'm very passionate. You do you treat it like it's like an advanced kind of crazy Debbie league. But, you know, it forces people to actually draft players at every position. Just sure. It's just better for parity in general. But um, if I'm going to rebuild at, at all. I'm going to completely blow up the NFL side because um, like with my positions that are like, I'm basically just dropping a bomb on my running back position and starting over, um, you know, trading anything that, that uh, is breathing and has running back three upside. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and uh, with quarterbacks, I'm okay. Kind of holding because we've seen guys, like, I, you, we just don't know how long these guys are going to play. Drew Brees. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we thought he was going to play forever. You know, Tom Brady is going to play till he's 95. Uh, these guys are, you know, we just don't know anymore. So I'll hold on to my quarterbacks unless I, you know, have one of the Brady's that I he'll eventually leave. You know, it's one of the ancient, ancient guys I'll, I'll, I'll yep. be fine moving off of. But blow up the running back position because people are really super thirsty for that. Like, for example, I was not going to be super competitive uh, even coming into this last year. So I just moved Todd Gurley like week one or two. Um, and I got uh, in return, Kyron Williams and Rakeem Jarrett for uh, Maryland. Yeah, for so Maryland, Kyron yeah. Williams running, uh, running back at Notre Dame early in the year, he blew up uh, and Rakeem Jarrett, just the speculative guys. Uh, I loved Rakeem Jarrett as a true freshman and couldn't get him in the real draft but got him by completely moving off of Todd Gurley. And now Todd Gurley's dead and Kyron Williams looks like a day two back and Rakeem Jarrett is the top five wide receiver in the 2023 draft. So you can blow up NFL side like that, get rid of some guys before they completely come go off the rails, especially when people still think they're competitive earlier in the year and, yes. and will be pushing for the playoffs. So that's what I do it. I make my move by, by mid October or so, because all the guys that are breaking out, People are still in the quote unquote unsure mode. It's like, I don't know, is that real? Like on the college, right. is that really going to stay? It generally, if you, if you look at uh, production, produ the production arts, like uh, for these guys in college, like if they break out early, most of the time outside of Kyrus Jackson for Georgia last year, they continue yeah. doing hey, so. He's going to, he's uh, coming back this year with, 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 uh, why can't I remember his yeah. name with, the injury that took With place. Uh, Why can't JT Daniels? Per well, George, George Pickens is out. Pickens. I was thinking the, Perkins. The I was like, I know it's not guys. Perkins. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but yeah. Sorry. So drop a bomb on your NFL side that's not going to help you in the next two or three years um, and see what happens. Yeah. So do you try to keep wide receivers just because they have a longer shelf life typically in the NFL? Yeah, typically. And uh, yeah. people aren't as thirsty for them. So 
Yeah, yep. that's good. Do you find it more difficult to rebuild in a C to C league than it is in a in a typical dynasty league? There's yeah, just because I mean, there's in, in theory like oh, but there's more there's more ways to rebuild, blah blah blah. But <laughs> the the truth is like everyone's drafting like 120 something freshmen every year, so it's like good luck finding the next breakout because <laughs> yeah. you unless you traded for a bunch of college. Uh, picks like you're not going to be able to fill in the gaps as much there, and and even when you are, you're having to wait. You're you're literally waiting two, three years for it, uh, right? In many cases, I'm sure I, I forgot to ask a bunch of questions. Um, in a second here, I'm going to ask you if there's anything that you want to talk about that I forgot to talk about. But I do have one more question, and that is, um, when looking at you know whether it's trades or when you're starting up your dynasty league, do you how do you approach the draft? Um, do you put a higher value on rookies and unproven talent with huge upside, or would you rather have a veteran that's like 28 years old? That's proven it in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and I should have asked you this question a week ago before my draft started. <laughs> but no, I think I'm fine going with the, the older players as well on the NFL side. Um, just not making sure that, you know, it's not all those guys, you know, just, I don't, I don't try to build it out in a way that like, Oh, I'm just going to, I'll completely reload. Cause it's, even though you have 45 players, maybe 50 players, uh, you know, you don't, you know, you're going to have 12 to 13 to 14 guys coming in from that crew. If you've structured it right every single year and out of those 12, 13, 14, 15 guys, max, generally you're looking at four or five contributing members at all to yeah. your NFL squad. So you can't really bank on, oh, I'm just going to replenish. That's just how it's going to go because you you might have a, a year or two where you just don't fill in with a high upside, crazy star level player because um, it's really easy to plug in guys that you can flex and but mm -hmm. uh, and just like have hit rates on guys. Oh, he got day two capital. That's cool. But his name's Denzel Mims and I always washed out. Like, so right. it's like it's like it doesn't always work out. Uh, so banking on just building back in is not going to cut it. Yeah. Gotta have yeah. I, I moved my, you know, fifth and 10th round NCAA pick for a 32 year old Julio Jones. Uh, and to me, like he was just sitting there in the, it was the 10th round. And to yeah. me, I, that was just crazy value. Like maybe I only get one year out of him, but I'm probably going to win this league this year if, if I don't just get, destroyed by injuries because i have a stupid yeah. stack team because everyone went super super young rookies went really early and i'm getting julio jones in the 10th round so just wanted to ask uh, you know kind of about that yeah. and uh i find that like i have very few like we're doing our our nfl drafts with rookie picks uh with rookie players before the nfl draft has started and i just refuse to take any of these guys like jamar Let's not talk about Jamar Chase. A guy like Tylen Wallace, I'm super excited about. All the talent in the world. If he ends up in Baltimore, like stab me in the eye with a fork. Like I don't want that. <laughs> so I'm not going to take him. I'm not going to take him above some of these other guys that I, I like Tyler Lockett, where I, I know what he's going to do. You know. So uh, just wanted to ask you that. What did I forget to ask you? What What are some other important uh, things to talk about with C to C before uh, before we uh, call it a night? I mean, man, you covered just about everything, I think, just because and, and we got into some kind of game game theory kind of structure. And I think, though, that people um, because the timeline on these leagues 
just kind of an extension of what you just said. The timeline is implied that it's actually going to stick, right? Like yeah. in the very beginning, it's like, whoa, like we're making these picks. Like everyone's in it for the long haul. I better just build out super young. And so that, that makes all these old guys like super cheap early on. So yeah, I don't have a problem, um, you know, going a little older on the NFL side, but having balance, it's just finding that balance. Yeah. But it's just, I think that's, that's key because everyone's way overvalues the youth uh, just, just in general, but on the right. college side um, I, I found uh, and really Wispe and, and I both did this. We kind of built it out to where it was like, well, uh, on the college side, we basically structured it like we're going to go with super safe NFL projection kind of players uh, that are like uh, eligible for 2022, um, maybe a few, a couple of 2023 guys. Uh, and then we're going to go nothing but freshmen uh, because mm. because like I don't want to have like the guy who kind of almost halfway broke out last year as a freshman or didn't really do much last year in their freshman year. Now they might have a sophomore breakout year. Like already, if they didn't break out as a freshman, the chances that they're going to do it as a sophomore, even though they have pedigree, is not crazy high. So I, I go young and old uh, trying to get a larger group of quote unquote true freshman breakout candidates. Yeah. Because even if I don't necessarily even believe in them, if I have a larger batch of those players and I get two or three more than my league mates do, their perceived value, regardless of what their actual production mm -hmm. on the college side or NFL side is ever going to be, is going to be higher. So I, I found myself having like a big chunk of 2022 eligibles and a big chunk of 2024 guys and like six or seven in total 2023 eligibles. Yeah. Just because the only guys that I was going to go for that were 2023 eligible already smashed this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes sense. I don't want to try to project when it's going to be their second or third year breakout, uh, especially, especially right now with, with all of, you know, with this COVID year, I don't know. I just, it, there's just a lot of projection involved in um, th this year, especially all the, all the variables, the people that haven't already done so, uh, done something because we're seeing two to three times the normal transfer rates. I'm really oh, curious man. to see what that has, has to do with uh, the college landscape this year and next, because they still haven't even told programs if they're going to allow uh, extra scholarships right, right. due to the eligibility. Like this, this is April and people yeah. don't even know for 2022 if they're going to have 85 scholarships or a hundred. And that's, that's, crazy. that's a whole other podcast itself. But like right now I'm going for surefire projections in the future and diversifying my portfolio for true freshmen, possible breakouts just to find those guys that'll pop the most. Because especially when you get later in the draft and people are, oh, I'm just going to go for the college side production you see four stars continuing to drop and drop and drop and drop um, that aren't like the obvious names that like the top five incoming freshmen at their position. So you can get the wide receiver 20 to 40 for absolute pennies and they're four star players in good programs uh, that might break out. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. That's really good. Well, thank you so much, Travis. There's a lot of good stuff in there. I'll re-listen to this a few times because uh, I'm still drafting and I have a feeling I'm not done. <laughs> I just don't want to start too many startups this year because I want to do a couple yeah. more next year as well. You know, <laughs> so you got to space them out. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I'm right yeah. there with you. I'm like, I'm only one of these here. Uh, eventually, I'm, eventually, my goal is to have just nothing but college and game leagues. Really. Yeah. Like, it, I'm going to have no, I'm going to have zero normal 
dynasty leagues. Yeah, no, that's good. That's fun. Um, well, that was that was really really insightful. A lot of really great information. I'm going to be sure to not tell any of the other guys in my leagues about this episode until after we're done drafting. <laughs> but no, that's great. Yeah. I really appreciate uh, you jumping on with us. Oh, we're not with us. It's just me today. But it was good stuff. Uh, again, <laughs> follow Travis. Listen to his podcast. Just so much great information. The dude knows so much. You, know, you, you throw. We'll do these clubhouses, or I'll jump on his podcast and. I'll just throw out a random name and all of a sudden Travis is just giving me all of the stats. Uh, he'll, he'll tell me everything I need to know about a player. And it's, uh, it's just very insightful. So Travis knows his stuff. You want to follow him. If you want to uh, have an, a leg up on the competition, he is the, the man. So FF underscore Travis M on Twitter. Uh, and then of course he's got the C to C podcast here over on Rotoviz. Um, and, and that's coming out weekly. What date is, is that dropping right now? Uh, Wednesdays generally, so it'll drop on the actual college to Canton feed uh, Wednesday uh, morning sometime, and then in the PM, it'll I think uh, 5 PM Central or Eastern. I think it'll drop on the road of his feed. Cool, awesome. Well, thanks again. It was a it was a blast. It was fun talking some uh, some you know high level nerded out. We we got real <laughs> real embarrassingly deep real in the weird. weeds here. Um, this is a, an episode I can never let my wife listen to because she will leave me for sure. <laughs> uh, but that was awesome. I really appreciate the time. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening and we'll be back with you real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.